G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Vision Christian Radio is all about connecting faith to life. From inspiring stories about the struggles we all face, to helping you understand the issues going on in the world, to clear and understandable Bible teaching, all peppered with great Christian music, the latest news, and even a few laughs along the way. You're about to experience just a small part of what we do. For the full experience, tune into a Vision Christian Radio FM or AM station near you. Listen online at visionradio.org.au or download our free app. Pastor Phil Pringle, who founded and continues to lead the C3 Church Movement. The C3 Churches have grown to more than 300 churches in Australia and overseas since humble beginnings back in 1980 when Pastor Phil and his wife Christine started with just 13 people. Well, since then, they've developed the C3 College for Ministry, a Creative Arts, a television program, and Oxford Falls Grammar School on 25 acres at Oxford Falls in Sydney. Phil Pringle continues to lead the church at Oxford Falls. He's passionate about the creative arts with music, worship, and dance. And is also an accomplished painter who's held exhibitions around the world. He also loves to write and is the author of 14 books, including one called Inspired to Pray, another one called But God, and 24 Hours That Saved the World. Well, Phil Pringle has love for the local church. He's passionate about seeing people and churches thrive. And he's joining us now on 2020. Hello, Phil Pringle. Welcome along. Thanks, Neil. Great to be on. Phil, I want to invite our listeners to participate in our conversation over this next hour. And so opening our talkback lines on 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. Phil, as I introduce you, and uh, there's a whole lot of dimensions there we could pick up on uh, so far as uh, C3 goes. But if I asked you for the overall impression, uh, C3 churches, a bit of a juggernaut, continues to grow, uh, not only here in Australia, but around the world. How are you feeling about the growth of C3? Well, it is, it is always exciting to see new churches planted in different areas of the world. We're actually uh, uh, just over 400 churches now, about 410. We started one last week in Spain and two the week before in Serbia. So we're starting about two a week uh, in places around the world through our, we have 12 regions in the world, which means around about 12 conferences in those national regions uh, or regions uh, each year. And uh, that's to equip and empower all of our pastors and anybody who's interested in planning a church. And uh, and so to see that expand, uh, I feel that we are in the in the dead center in the in the will of God. He said, I will build my church. And uh, and that's I think when we align ourselves with that purpose, we're aligning ourselves with the heart of God to create communities of faith in every place we can around around the globe. When you reflect back, Phil, on those humble beginnings and 13 people in the first church that you and your wife were leading, I guess you didn't anticipate that things would grow to the way that they are today. But do you ever reflect, though, on the idea that, you know, that, that young guy or that young woman Woman sitting 
towards the back looking a little bit, you know, shy and uh, listening intently to the message that, that they might be another Phil and Christine Pringle who might have the capacity to lead and to grow and to see the kingdom of God expand through churches. Do you, do you reflect on those sorts of things, people listening to you, being inspired by you, that they might go on to do great things? Oh, definitely, Neil. That would be my goal, that they do not just what we've done, but far better. And uh, it, it, it is true. When we first came to Sydney, I thought my, my highest dream was to have a, one church of 500 people. I thought if I could do that, it would be like I died and gone to heaven and uh, that I would have fulfilled all that God wanted me to do. But um, we, uh, you know, surprisingly, I found myself leading that number in a congregation within about two years. And, uh, and then I felt the Lord say, start 10 churches around the world and uh, in may, 10 major cities around the world. So I thought that would be my lifetime calling. And we began to do that and selected some people and sent them to these places. And we'd actually started those 10 churches within four years. And so um, it's, it, you know, those years, things happened quicker than we did anticipate and things got bigger than we anticipated. I'm not sure we were always uh, adequate or ready or qualified for the the things that were happening, and I'm, I'm certain we weren't. Uh, but um, gradually, you you learn through your mistakes and and stumblings and uh, other lessons that you can learn from other people and uh, become somewhat competent in in trying to lead. You know what God is doing. Here we are at the start of a new year. Is there something special about a new year, a new season? Uh, people are readjusting their own goals, uh, setting new ideas. I mean, people have New Year's resolutions and things like that. Uh, when people think about things that they are adjusting, uh, changing course or you know, dropping something old, adding something new, how do you talk about uh, becoming someone who is deeper in the things of God, uh, open to the bigger challenges? And, uh, and as you know, you've done uh, uh, planted churches and seen the kingdom of God expand. At the beginning of a new year, what's so special about this season? Well, it, it is a great opportunity, obviously, to to rethink your life and to reboot uh, what you're doing. And I think everybody should have a goal to to increase or improve or progress in some manner so that we're not going backwards or just treading water, holding ground. But as long as we have a goal of I'm going to actually accomplish something more. And I, uh, I try to do something new, learn something new every year. Uh, a few years back, I uh, determined to get a skipper's license for sailing. Um, a couple of years ago, I got a motorbike license. I mean, these are just personal things to do and then to learn uh, to read new books and cover new material uh, to try and, in those areas, improve what you're doing. But I, I do think that if I'm doing all those things just for me, that I'm going to become unsatisfied. I'm going to become a slightly dysfunctional person, which I see happening a lot when people are, obsessing with their own world and fixated on only their own personal goals. I think any believer um, has got a calling on their life that involves being a blessing to other people. And I think we must identify that and arrange our lives so that we will actually fulfill the idea of reaching other people. My, my goal is not just to start churches. I want to bring hope to 
people without hope. I want to bring Christ to people who are lost in the dark and and try and and I I believe that the church is the best way of achieving that. And so that's why we plant churches. And I think to assume a responsibility uh, that aligns yourself to the assignment of God on your on your world to reach people, then I, that is going to bring the deepest level of satisfaction for any any Christian. Uh, reflect a little, Phil, on the hard work involved in the work of ministry. I mean, it, it's different for a lot of people, uh, but uh, I, I guess when you reflect back on your career and uh, you've seen this massive expansion growth, uh, exciting things that have happened in that time, it's very easy to be an outsider and reflect on, oh, well, that just sort of happened automatically. Well, that was just <laughs> Phil Pringle. Uh, what about rolling up your sleeves? Uh, what about the person who's just contemplating getting started doing something in the kingdom, something for God, in a service for Jesus the Lord? Uh, what sort of hard work's involved do you think well you you're uh you're on the money exactly uh neil it's uh it's it's hard work 90 99% perspiration 1% inspiration somebody said and uh i think that uh the kingdom is not built by lazy people that's for sure and i think that sometimes people have imagined that uh to be a pastor or preacher or leader in the church is somehow uh, a lazy man's option but uh it, that's far from the truth the uh, the hours you have to put in it, it's a job that hardly ever stops it would seem uh it's um emotionally hard working i would say the emotional work of the ministry is the is the most demanding because you care and if you didn't care about people you you wouldn't be bothered uh, with a lot of situations, but because you're carrying the weight of uh, leaders who are in trouble or churches that are in trouble or individuals who are burning, you know, in some problem, then you, you've you got to be able to carry that emotional burden and the anxieties the, that your mind will worry about. And uh, the, Paul called it the care of the churches, and he made that the pinnacle of all of the pressures that he faced and that the other pressures were not small and but he said and, and that which comes upon me daily the care of the churches and i think that if you're going to serve the lord he 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 said go and pray the lord of the harvest to send out workers he didn't say send out talented people or send out uh the qualified or the the good looking or the you know the people who are going to do it easy uh or the financially secure he he said i just want workers people who are available and who will who will actually do the work. And I've seen that many times, that there are far more talented people than me, far more intelligent people than me, far more well-connected people, but uh, maybe they weren't willing to just put their shoulder to the wheel and do the hard yards, thinking that it was some other thing that was going to, you know, like magic, make it all work. I, I find that it doesn't work like that. At work. And sometimes, Neil, people will even... You know, uh, they'll say to say to us, "Well, man, the Lord's really blessed you, hasn't He?" And <laughs> you know, I mean, I agree with that. I do agree with that. But I also know that um, you know, uh, 
like it, it, what it was like before we actually got involved in this area here and on this land. The buildings didn't just magically appear. They, you know, we we actually did do a lot of grueling hard work to actually bring that to pass. And I'm not clapping myself on the back either because I think that's all all we've got to present our bodies as living sacrifice to Him and uh, do the work. For a lot of people, it seems that uh, the real world is when you flick on the TV and get lost in some sort of a sitcom or, you know, whatever you're watching on television or movies. Uh, But when we talk about the real world, uh, rolling up your sleeves, actually doing work in that area of ministry, uh, it seems to me that uh, if you've got a a uh, one foot uh, on the ground, and you can see some of the reality that's going on. Uh, families that are breaking down, marriages that are falling apart, people who are suffering all sorts of issues with depression, confusion, uh, the suicide rate growing. These are the sorts of things I guess uh, you've got to be mindful of uh, if you want to be a minister of the gospel. Oh, definitely. Uh, Neil, I would say that, uh, that pastoring today is not... Uh, a, a, a job without complexity and without challenges and complications. Uh, certainly a burden that I have carried is the suicide rate and uh, um, that's come from sitting down with families after they've lost a member of their family whether it's a parent or a child and most sadly often it is a child uh, and parents trying to come to grips with what they had done wrong or what their child was up to or what could have happened. And, uh, and, and I think any pastor has to be in touch with those areas because then he will preach or she will preach with a broken heart and, uh, and the, the listeners will have a sense that there's somebody talking out the front there who understands where they are at. And uh, one of the reasons we have a television show and will persist with that is because we've received letters from people who were about to take their life and somehow just got to be watching that program and in the end ask Christ to come into their life. And their despair at least was, was somewhat evaporated and they found some hope and began a new life. And uh, we have several examples of that, letters of, of people whose lives have literally been changed because they received Christ. And that, that those sort of stories motivate me deeply to keep doing what we're doing. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020. On Vision Christian Radio. Spending some time this hour talking with one of Australia's best-known church leaders, Pastor Phil Pringle, who founded and continues to lead the C3 church movement. More than 400 churches in Australia and overseas since 1980, with some very humble beginnings back then, just 13 people in that first church service. Phil Pringle is with us today. We're talking about a whole lot of things you might like to even help set the agenda for our conversation. You can do one Eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to join in our conversation today. Phil, you mentioned that word hope. At this time of year, uh, we've got a new year underway, and I know that uh, this time of year, a lot of churches are talking about hope and goals and expectations. Uh, when you think of that word hope, and when you're communicating that from your platform, what sort of things are you are you trying to have people understand about the depth of that word? 
Uh, well, Neil, uh, I think the big picture is that if Christ is in your heart, you have this uh, somewhat instinctive sense that the best is yet to come, that there is good news up ahead, that there is blessing up ahead. I mean, often our thoughts and emotions are easily hijacked with negative foreboding senses of of what could happen, especially if you're feeding yourself with the six o'clock news every night and that's your only diet of information. You are going to be worried about uh, the, the declining Australian dollar, about the China economy, about uh, storms coming, about global warming. About I mean, it seems to me over the holidays, I got to actually catch the six o'clock news a few a few times, and uh, which I don't normally because I'm working and uh, I might get to see it once a week. But when I was watching it over a period of three or four days, I thought, man, if, if this is all I had coming to me, I would be feeling pretty depressed about life. I'd be anxious. I'd be worried. But uh, because I'm in church a lot, I'm in services you know, maybe 10 a week, uh, whether you're preaching, leading or doing things, you're constantly pouring hope into your own soul, into the hearts of other people. So you have this positive expectation about the future. And uh, I think uh, also, though, we need to understand that uh, there are two other aspects of this. Sometimes people have had unreal expectations and therefore have unnecessarily been disappointed and then are nervous about getting their hopes up again because disappointment is a difficult emotion to cope with and uh, we, it's like a, a wound on the, on the heart and uh, people can become quite cynical or jaded. Certainly the Israelites did when they, were, uh, were, when they, when they tried to leave Egypt and the king of Egypt told them, well, you're not going. And uh, 10 times he, they tried and he just, tightened his grip on them even though Moses had told them you are going out but to them it seemed like Moses words were wrong uh, at first and they didn't believe him and it says for grief of spirit they just couldn't believe and I think for a lot of people they are broken or grieving in their spirit and they don't want to believe because they've been hurt or wounded or disappointed before but if we could feed our heart with the word of God and with a message from Christ uh, and just start to gingerly put our, our hope out there again and say, well, I'm going to anticipate and not raise it into dramatic dizzying heights, but actually just start to believe for a better day to day than we had yesterday for something, one thing good to happen. And uh, we start to lift our hope and, and then we'll as soon as we get that attitude, a thankful heart about the future, not just about the good things of the past, but we just start to thank God for what's coming up, we will find ourselves walking into a more positive future. I suspect people listening to our conversation will be very heartened to hear you saying things like that because uh, as you reflect on uh, the nation of Israel and uh, hopes dashed, expectations unfulfilled, uh, disappointment, sometimes, uh, and it wouldn't matter what denomination you were talking about, some of the things that would be said uh, raise hopes to a level uh, that you're saying actually 
not necessarily uh, achievable expectations. Right. Uh, so when we talk about uh, hope and expectation, uh, the sorts of things we ought to be uh, expectant for, and you were saying, well, you know, so long as today is a better day than yesterday, that's a, a fair enough expectation. But biblical sort of grounds for the sorts of expectations that we ought to have, uh, I guess... And if you let me just uh, share my thought on that, because sometimes uh, our expectations are for all good things and not for things to uh, go wrong, like many of our brothers and sisters are experiencing around the world by way of persecution. We we don't want to have that expectation as part of our life, although that is probably something that uh, that many of us in the future may need to face. Uh, so appropriate levels of expectation, uh, biblical sort of levels. What yeah. are your thoughts, Phil? Yeah, well, you know, Neil, um, I, Jesus warned us. He said, this is going to happen to you. And so uh, there's no point in denying <laughs> what what is going to happen. In fact, he, his prophecy to Peter, I mean, I've often thought on that one, when your, your Lord, your, your Messiah, is saying, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. I know you think you won't, but you're going to. And I mean, that's, uh, and then within that, Jesus then said, but when you've come through your trial, you'll be able to strengthen your brethren. So he put meaningfulness in the disappointment that was going to come into Peter's life. And uh, even though from our point of view, and, and none of us would wish persecution on anybody, but I do know people who uh, have been in prison, who have been uh, in torture, who have been in uh, terrible persecution circumstances, who have said to me they would not trade it for anything else in in the world because they found the presence of Christ. They found joy in the midst of their fire. And so the hope I'm talking about is not just circumstantial hope. Uh, I think that would be a little bit shallow to just say my hope is for a, a car in a swimming pool this year and, uh, you know, God forbid if I don't get that. It's, it's like when our, I, I've found that sometimes, and this is not always, but if we haven't got Christ in the center, then maybe there's a delay on the prayer and maybe even there's some pain uh, in, our, in our journey that is designed to get our attention back on the giver of the blessing rather than the blessing itself. And he is more interested in us finding his face than us finding his hand. And uh, that relationship is by far the most satisfying and uh, deeply enriching experience any Christian can have other than just getting their prayers for circumstances answered. I guess you've got people too who perhaps suffering some sort of uh, chronic illness or uh, some sort of, you know, a cancer diagnosis, those sorts of things too. And I, I know you like to reflect on this, and I know that uh, you're one who uh, loves to see miraculous things happen at the hand of God uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, there is a sense, isn't there, that hope is is a part of uh, what we are in uh, as an expectant people, uh, the body of Christ. I guess there's a difference between hope and faith here that you can that you can you can come to grips with. Yes, definitely. Uh, hope. I I know of doctors. Well, I've read of doctors who refuse to operate on a person if they have no hope about getting through the the, the operation or have not got the will to live. 
and I'm, I'm not sure if that's a common thing, but uh, I did read of that and because they said that we can only cooperate with the person's will and mental attitude. If, if they are really, uh, if they've given up, it's um, a, a difficult exercise to bring them through um, on the meaning of life. Uh, Bonhoeffer also talks about when he was in the... Uh, in the camps, in the concentration camps, he said uh, you could see when hope died in a man's eyes and within a few hours he would be dead, uh, even though they were all skin and bones and they had no name and all their uh, worldly goods were taken from them. He said the one thing that kept everybody alive was that there was hope in their heart about someday there's deliverance for me. And uh, I think it becomes an exceptionally powerful emotion. And I think it's more than emotion. I think it's a spiritual drive deep on the inside that, that, that gets us through. I mean, the, the greatest uh, proponent of hope is Jesus himself. He said, my flesh will rest in hope. And he was talking about when he would die on the cross. So he died with hope in his heart. And I would say that that was part of the reason why three days later that resurrection took place because he didn't give his hope away. He anticipated a brighter future than that day that uh, he was dying. I guess you've got uh, the sort of happy-go-lucky, fun-loving type person where nothing's going wrong and they would feel as though they don't need hope. So hope really is so much more meaningful to someone who has a challenge to overcome. Totally. We, uh, we'll never know if we're overcomers until we've got something to overcome. And uh, even though the, the cheery optimist uh, may appear like that, I, I'm not sure I've ever met anybody who doesn't have some pain in their life, especially the, the positive people. People are positive by decision uh, more than by uh, nature and uh, I know that we have these stereotype personalities where this person's a sanguine, this person's, you know, such and such. But even there, I know people with those personalities who are meant to be positive, they go through heartbreaking situations. And if you haven't learned how to decide to be happy, to rejoice when things are down, to give thanks when things seem pretty terrible and you want to complain... There's, there's a high level of intentionality about being a positive person in today's world. And Phil, I'll need to cut in here because yeah. we're going to go to news. Stay yeah. with us. We'll continue our conversation sure. after the news. Talkback yeah. line open 1-800-316-316. You might like to be part of our conversation with Phil Pringle. Phil, let's take a call. Let's hear from Robin in Mount Morgan. Hello, Robin. Welcome along to 2020. Yes, hi. Um, yeah, I just wanted to encourage um, Phil Pringle and thank him too for his ministry many years ago, which I'll explain in a minute. But he's really been speaking my own language very much because that's what I think too. A true Christian is an overcomer. So a lot of these people in churches that have tried to minister to me, they look good, they've got everything going for them, but I can sense straight away they have nothing to help me because they haven't struggled in the same to the same degree. But Phil, you, you were the f- very first person to um, to, to um, diagnose my situation as being demonic because I was in a church in Rocky and uh, I actually went there by faith because I couldn't stand this torment, uh, just suicidal tendencies all the time, which I'm, I must say I still have from time to time, which is really bad. But but you were uh, you you named it. I, 
I um, couldn't get out of the church. I was trying to run away, and there were too many people, so I went forward instead. I think you might have been preaching, I think, and and you just said, spirit of death, spirit of suicide, out. And um, anyway, after the relief, when you when I had that delivered, um, you told me to say every day, um, I want to live, I want to live. And I, I thought, you know, it was going to be easy, but you were right because it keeps on coming back. And um, but but I also agree with you in that, um, you know, from our own struggles, we can help others, hopefully. Totally. And it it's. Um, it seems that uh, the Lord seems to be sending me um, to what I call naughty boys. Not necessarily. It, the classification was um, boys that have been wounded from childhood, which I was as well. And um, these these guys seem to be um, become very, very wayward, have really bad problems. Like I ended up in Germany. Uh, one of them ended up in jail over there. So, Robin, there's lots um, of things in your uh, in your uh, thoughts there. Let's uh, let's hear from Phil on on some of those things that uh, what the things that you'd like to respond to, Phil. Well, uh, it, it is it is a, a controversial subject. Uh, the whole world of demons and some ministers who maybe once upon a time would be quite happy to pray for deliverance for people have ceased doing it it's like mm. not, not a politically correct thing to do it would seem or and i think uh i i pray that we don't become too sophisticated to actually let deliverance go out of the quiver of ministries that jesus has given us because it's not like demons are only in third world countries or primitive cultures they are actually very active in our own world and some of the suicides that we see and some of the problems that people have uh, could be, should be addressed in that manner because uh, there can, d- deliverance can come to people in that way. And I've, I know of liter- literally hundreds of cases where people have been set free, and it's so simple. And uh, we often are trying to medicate people or counsel people when actually what they are needing is simply to be set free from a, a force that's become more powerful than them. And uh, they need to hear the name of Jesus uh, proclaimed, and that sets them free. Yes, that's right. Robin from Mount Morgan, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. You might like to join into our conversation, 1-800-316-316. And uh, interestingly, if we continue something along the line of that theme, Phil, uh, Change in people's lives, uh, transformation of a life, uh, sometimes can be almost instantaneous and other times it's a real process. And I guess for all of us, it's a journey and a learning curve. Uh, but when there is that uh, demonic activity that's at work in someone's life and, and everything they try and counselling galore doesn't seem to solve the problem, uh, is that time to look at some of those sort of spiritual encounter opportunities? Certainly, and uh, I, I just, um, you know, like, I think it's too simplistic to say life's all about your choices. You've got the power to choose, uh, and I, I, which I believe, I do believe that, but some people are so enslaved by uh, demonic forces that they, they find they can't choose. Uh, even though they might, and, and at the start of a year, a lot of people are going to make resolutions. Now, some people, they just, they just fade on the commitment or they get overwhelmed with an unrealistic goal they've set or, or whatever. But some actually can't disentangle their will from 
a force, a demonic force that is driving them to do what they do. And it can be even things like rage in people's lives. They don't know why they fly into a rage, but they, they get out of control. They don't know why they can't stop the addiction. And definitely those, I mean, we sing the songs, he's broken my chains, he's set me free. And sometimes I wonder if people really understand what we are saying, that these are literal transformations. And I, I have seen it, like I said before, hundreds of times where it's a simple matter of casting a demon out of a person's life. And we have the power to do that. And we must realize that uh, the the answers to a person's life are not just medication or counseling or therapy or psycholog psychological. They are spiritual bondages that sometimes people have found themselves captive to. And the, the, the great thing is that one-third of Jesus' ministry was deliverance, and it should occupy at least some portion of any minister today who's uh, representing Jesus Christ. You know, I talk to a lot of people from a lot of different denominations, Phil, and uh, it would seem to me that when you start to get onto a topic like that, you know what, doesn't matter what denomination uh, these church leaders come from, uh, followers of Jesus Christ, ministers of the gospel, there is an acknowledgement very broadly uh, that these things need to be dealt with. And uh, sometimes you've got this sort of caricature idea that comes from, uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, the Catholic Church and uh, you know flicking holy water around and those sorts of things and and uh, and I guess uh, that the biblical foundation uh, the name of Jesus uh, fasting and prayer I guess there are some some processes still to go through with the deliverance from some things yes well uh, certainly the, the devil loves to operate in the dark which means in camouflage so he's unrecognizable and uh, but as soon as as we have some insight uh, through the gift of discernment uh, and insight uh, into a person's world that it's not healing they need, it's deliverance, or it's not you know, just counseling they actually do need to be delivered. And when uh, a minister can name that demon, uh, that generally is the end of the issue for, from my point of view. If I've ever... Uh, the, the problem with any of these things is the weird... Uh, crowd that have that have made people throw the whole thing out and uh, and so there have been some very weird extreme examples of deliverance and uh, it is unfortunate and most of the movies as you say there are incantations and the strange practices that the exorcists are meant to uh, bring about and this isn't what I'd call exorcism uh, because even in the Bible, there were people called exorcists who who didn't do the right thing. They tried to use the name of Jesus, but it, it's not just a magical incantation. It's who you are, whether you're known by God and known uh, by Christ. And uh, if you've got that connection, then the devils will bow their knee to to your commands. And uh, we we need to take authority over evil spirits that are trying to control people's lives. We have the answer to do that. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join our conversation, Phil Pringle, our guest. Let's hear from Union Jack in Victoria. Hello, Union Jack. Hi, oh, yes. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm very well. Listen, I'm, I'm afraid your voice is a bit faint, so uh, if I dominate the conversation, uh, you'll understand it's just that 
you're very faint. Um, yep. Look, I'm just phoning up for something that's really on my mind, you know. Um, I've known so many people with, you know, well, we call it bipolar, but let's call it manic depression. It's very frightening. And I did read uh, on Google that the incidence of people with this really ghastly uh, mind illness uh, has risen by 4,000% in America. That's only the people that have been diagnosed. And I just came to thinking, um, because my friend who's, you know, was diagnosed with it and, and gets a lithium for it, but before that he had to get six policemen to take him away because he had such superhuman strength in that condition. And I've often thought of the Bible of the demonic possessed people breaking the chains, uh, you know, and superhuman strength. And I was just thinking there are certain things that have happened in the last 10 years, including, um, well, the use of marijuana for a start, because this fellow I was talking about, he swears that that's how he got it. Uh, and the use of guarana. Guarana is in every energy drink, and it is, you know, um, you know, it's it's really... Jack, um, I guess there are a lot of things that can alter a person's perceptions, uh, mind-altering drugs, and uh, the sorts of things that you're talking about, uh, so far as uh, bipolar and perhaps causes of those sorts of things. I guess if we're talking in the context of how the conversation's gone so far, uh, Phil Pringle, uh, your thoughts on what Jack's been sharing? Yes, uh, well, Jack's correct. Uh, the there, when people have practices or traumas in their life that can open the door to uh, the devil. He, the, the, the devil wants to possess people and manipulate them towards a destructive end. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And, uh, and Jesus comes to give life and set free. So, uh, but, but spirits seek to enter a human body so they can have expression. And uh, they want to be incarnated, if you like. And so uh, they will find any, any trauma moment, any uh, fear moment, any, anything at all that they can take a hold of, especially in a child's life, where they can get access into that person's world and enslave their will. And certainly drug taking uh, disarms the protective, the the spiritual protection and mental protection uh, agencies that God has put within us. And so that we become very open to spiritual experiences. But even though we might be having spiritual experiences, that doesn't mean they are good. And uh, anything to do with the occult, anything to do with demon worship or idol worship, that opens people up to that evil spiritual world. And once that's happened, uh, then we need to invite a minister of, of, the, of Jesus uh, to come and pray for us, especially if they are aware of how to pray deliverance into a person's life which is quite simple it doesn't need to be complicated or doesn't even need to be drawn out over a long period of time or any kind of blood curdling event it can it's quite a natural simple uh, experience of naming an evil spirit and then casting it out of that person and uh, allowing that to happen it may take a few moments but it's one of the simplest and most wonderful ways to see a life experience a miracle. That's when it's applicable, of course, and when it's real. 
Uh, I'm not saying that this is a cure-all, the answer for everything, it, but it is one of the answers that Jesus has given us for the world we live in, especially in the world of depression and suicide, as uh, Jack was talking about. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. And our special guest this hour is Phil Pringle, the founder of the C3 Church Movements. Phil, uh, we'll take another call in just a moment, perhaps, uh, but uh, just quickly on some of the expectations that you might have for the year ahead. Are there big plans for C3? Uh, any personal goals that you'd like to fulfill? Well, uh, certainly, um, Neil, I'm looking forward to the best year we've ever had. Um, I, we are moving towards a goal of a 1,000 churches by the year 2020. So that will mean that we start at least another 100 churches this year. And uh, within that, we um, train many, many leaders through our Bible college here, our college, C3 College. Uh, we've had something close to 10,000 graduates through that. We also do it through an online college, C3 Online. And then um, we would seek to, uh, to uh, I guess, draw people into the call of God and release them for that through our conferences. We have our presence conference right here in Sydney at the Horton Pavilion uh, from, the 20, from 19th to the 22nd of April. And that's always a brilliant time with great speakers like Samuel Rodriguez and Louis Giglio. And uh, these people who you know, enlighten people as to their calling and the, to relight the fire on the inside. I think that the, one of the things that I've found is, uh, as pastoring for over 40 years is that when the fire goes out in people, uh, pretty much everything else starts to drag uh, their, their whole spiritual life into decline. And uh, so keeping the fire alive, keeping the enthusiasm, the excitement, the wide-eyed wonder about Jesus and about God, uh, it's, it's so important because people can be just come familiarized and can, complacent in the, the routine of church life and start to seek, go from place to place to try and get that fire. But that's, that fire is readily available. And um, like I say, at our conferences, Presence Conference and uh, Men's Conference, these and church every weekend, we would have altar calls where that fire is kept alive. So my goal is to keep my church growing on fire and uh, doing something great for God and like giving, being part of a movement that's birthing 100 churches this year. We might have time for one more quick call. Let's hear from Brenda in Queensland. Hello, Brenda. Welcome along to 2020. Hi. Thank you, Neil. Brenda, you need to be fairly quick. What are your thoughts? Actually, really, I just wanted to ask Phil, um, because I'm quite sure this is an issue that's going on with my teenage son right now. How important is is their desire really um, in, in deliverance? You know, how, how much value is there really in, in praying over somebody or is part of the healing them want to be uh, delivered? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, it's very hard to violate a person's will. If they're not wanting to be set free, then no matter how much we love them and want them to be, uh, it's pretty well nigh impossible to, to, for that to happen. But if they're in neutral and uh, they're, they're okay about you praying for them, I'm not sure that, th- that that's going to hinder uh, anything. I've found that when people are a little, you know, um, ambivalent about what's happening, I think you can bring deliverance into that life. Their own heart and passion for being free of the thing. I mean, if a person wants, 
if you're wanting them to get set free from taking drugs or something, and I'm not saying your, your, your child is doing that, but I'm just saying if there is a person in your world who uh, is involved in a practice they don't really want to get rid of, then it's, it becomes a, a pretty impossible thing. I would be pointing my prayers to God to say, Lord, give them a heart that wants to be free from this thing and so when i could see god's action uh bringing them to that point that's when they're going to find their freedom more easily brenda from queensland thanks so much for your input today here on 2020 Uh, phil i'd like to be able to point people to how they can connect with c3 how they can monitor along what's been happening and when you talk about the sort of expansion now up to 400 churches here in australia and around the world I guess all the C3 churches seem to have a slightly different website. Uh, how, do you, how do you make that contact? Well, uh, there will be a C3 church near, near any of your listeners uh, somewhere, not, maybe for some not too close, but mostly uh, you'll find a C3 church near you uh, on our C3 Global website, uh, C3 Church Global, C3. And if you just type in C3 Church, you're going to find one nearby you. Um, other than that, we're online uh, for our services, our 10 a.m. and our 6 p.m. services every Sunday. So people can uh, watch online and uh, become part of our online community. And uh, then, as I said, there's our conferences that are more than welcome to attend uh, throughout the year, especially the Presence Conference, 19th to the 22nd of April. Of course, conferences are so valuable, aren't they? Because you become immersed in what's happening and a very valuable thing for people to go to a conference uh, who are contemplating uh, what their future, what their direction might be. Sure. I think three or four days of um, being separated to God simply to be revived and renewed and in your relationship with Him and uh, within yourself, I think it cleanses us, it refires us and we get a fresh anointing for the future. Well, certainly the easiest way to connect with a C3 church near you is simply to Google C3 and you'll be able to find out the movement that Phil Pringle is leading. Phil, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au